Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. The world in which we live is filled with difficulties. The adversary always tries to bring us down. But do you know how you can deal with all your challenges? Today, Pastor J.D. explains how you can rely on God in times of need. You can face any obstacle that the enemy throws at you if you have God by your side. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on December 3rd, 2023. Today, we're going to finish, Lord willing, 3rd John and look at three questions from the text that all of us, myself included, myself especially, would do well to ask ourselves as it relates to why it is that people either do or don't want to be around us. I want to talk with you about something that may require a second update, Lord willing, and if we're still here, because it's about an event that started on Thursday, and it will end on Tuesday, December 12th. But sadly, nobody is seemingly paying any attention to this. And what I'm speaking of is COP28. It's being held in Dubai as we speak. And because of this particular conference and its prophetic significance, I've chosen to title today's update, Expect the Unexpected, which I'm hoping you'll see why here in a moment. I'll explain more about COP28 shortly, but please know that it's going to be generic and not specific because the event is still ongoing. What I'd like to do though first is draw your attention to specific, not generic, (laughs) Bible prophecies that speak to what's happening in Dubai at COP28. Let's start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll begin reading in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a young church, not young in terms of age, but a church that he had just started that was young in its age a church that he was only able to spend maybe at the most about three months with before he was ran out of town there in Thessalonica. And he always wanted to go back, longed to go back. He loved these people. He knew these people. He started this church. And imagine this, he's there for three months and he starts teaching them Bible prophecy as new believers, and a new church. And so he writes two letters to them, 
And I want to draw your attention to this first letter, because I want you to pay particular attention to what he says right out of the shoot in verse 1. Listen. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. In other words, I, when I was there, I, we, we talked about this. I taught you this. And then verse 3, a very well-known verse, verse 3, For while they say, or when they say, peace and security, or as some of your translations render it, safety, it's the Greek word asphalia, translated stability, security, safety. When they're saying, while they're saying, at the time they're saying these two words, peace and security, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, look at that contrast, verse 4, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God, verse 9, did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. And then he says this, verse 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Now, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that those of us who are sons of light and sons of the day are not like those in the dark, as they say. Well, I was in the dark on that. So we're of the light, and as such, we're always watching and expecting. We're expecting that which those of the night and of the darkness are not doing. Why? Well, isn't it true that when you're sleeping, you're not aware of anything that's going around you? Even you light sleepers, when you're asleep, you're not watching or expecting anything. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sleeping, right? I mean, this whole idiom, we'll, we'll talk about this in a moment, but this whole idiom of a thief in the night, you don't expect a thief to come in the night, because if you did expect a thief to come in the night, you would not go to sleep that night that you were expecting the thief to come in the night. Just bear with me. It gets better. A thief does not call you or text you or email you and just give you a heads up. Hey, by the way, I'm going to come tomorrow night at 2 a.m. Is that a good time for you? Did I take it too far? So this idiom of, it's going to be for them, not you, them, not us, them, as a thief in the night. Why? Because they're not expecting it, as evidenced by what they're doing and not doing. <laughs> Verse 4 is interesting, because basically what Paul's saying is, that day is not going to overtake you. It's not going to surprise you. 
It's not going to catch you off guard. Why? Because you're expecting it. So for you, it's not going to be something that just blindsides you. Them, it will. You, it will not. And then verse 3, of course, this well-known verse, for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons about sudden destruction coming upon them, like labor pains, while they're saying peace and security. You know what this implies, right? It implies that they weren't expecting it so suddenly, just as a pregnant woman may not expect her labor pains so suddenly. Stay with me. In other words, like with a woman in labor, there's a certainty or inevitability, if you prefer, but so too is there an unexpectedness that they're expecting. That's not a play on words, because is it not true that of a woman who is with child, they will refer to themselves, or we will refer to them as expecting. Oh, you're expecting. Be careful, guys, when you do that, though, if you see a woman and go, oh, how far along are you? And then they're not pregnant. But I digress. In other words, a pregnant woman is expecting. So there's this anticipation, this watching, this expectation, because they're expecting. And by the way, Paul is echoing the words of the Savior. He uses the same analogy in a very powerful and profound prophetic passage in Matthew 24. You know it well. When the disciples ask him, what are going to be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus proceeds to tell them, first and foremost, let no man deceive you. Deception will be number one on the list. These are the signs, the markers, by which you can use to gauge how close my return is. Because what Jesus is doing is likening His coming to a baby coming, which is why He uses the birth pains, which come in greater frequency and greater intensity. So the more frequent and the more intense things like deception, false Christ, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, wars and threats of wars, better interpreted, not rumors, but threats of war. And then there's going to be famines, pestilences, How about this one? Earthquakes in diverse places, different places, big earthquakes like those birth pains. And they're going to be in places that you would not normally expect there to be an earthquake, diverse places. And he takes that list, which is, I believe, an abbreviated list, but it's the ones that he chose to answer their question with, and he lumps them in all together and likens them to a woman in labor. Why? Because I want you to expect, because you're expecting what they are not expecting, so that when, not if it happens, you're not taken by surprise. Why? Because you're watching. You're expecting. So for us who are 
I love what Paul wrote to Timothy. His final words, his parting words, his last letter. By the way, contrast with his first letter he ever wrote was to the Thessalonians. His last letter that he ever wrote was to Timothy, 2 Timothy. And he knew he was at the end of his life. His days were numbered. It was just a matter of time. I believe God sometimes will, in His grace and mercy, go before us before we go home to be with Him, just to ready us and sort of steady us. And I really believe that Paul knew that it was just a matter of days before he was going to go be with the Lord. So he pens this letter to Timothy, whom he loves so much as a son. And he says, you know, I fought the fight, man, <laughs> the good fight of faith. I finished the race. Uh, by the way, that alone, stand alone, notice he didn't say, you know, I've danced the dance. I finished the game. No, this isn't a game. This is a battlefield. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. It's a daily fight, a fight of faith. And it's daily. You know the thing about daily fight is that it's daily. <laughs> Every day you wake up and you're off to battle. It's a battleground, not a playground. So Timothy, the time has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And now there awaits me a crown of righteousness. I guess you could say, Paul is saying to Timothy, I can't wait. My work's done here. Now, you know what, what awaits me is this crown of righteousness. And here's the thing, Timothy, not just me, but all of those who watch this long, ache, yearn, watch for His appearing, not coming, appearing. We'll talk about that too in a moment. Well, we got a lot of stuff we got to talk about, so let's keep moving. Two takeaways. First, expect, because you're expecting the unexpected, so that when, not if, it happens, you're not caught off guard because you were expecting it. And second, and very important by the way, edify and encourage others to be watching and expecting to. Even now, as Paul would say, some of you are already doing, just keep doing that, because people need to be encouragement, encouraged, especially in this day that we're living in. People are so discouraged. Christians are so discouraged. They need to be encouraged. Encourage them. You know what you'll find when you encourage someone? You yourself will be encouraged as a result. That's just the way God made it. That's why you just, there's a bearing witness in your spirit. When you're encouraging somebody, you yourself are encouraged when you're encouraging. Now let's talk about these idioms that Paul used, you know, the thief in the night, that day. Why? Because he's delineating between the rapture and the second coming. The day of the Lord is not the rapture. The day of the Lord is the commencement of the seven-year tribulation. That's the judgment of God, the day of the Lord, the wrath of God. 
on a Christ-rejecting people. And it's coming, and it's coming suddenly. Sudden destruction. The thing about sudden destruction again, you already know this, again, very deeply profound, because I'm so profound. The thing about sudden destruction is, it's sudden, suddenly. So (laughs) it happens, it's going to come upon them, and I've talked about this before, I suppose this is as good of a time as any to say it again. I hope you don't tire of me saying it, but I'm becoming increasingly convinced with each passing day, it seems like now, that this is a simultaneous event meaning that when sudden destruction comes down on them, we go up. When this goes down, we go up. Never mind, just whatever. I'm excited about that. I mean, it makes sense, right? Sudden destruction and chaos, and then the order comes out of chaos, as the phoenix rises from the ashes of chaos. Can you imagine how chaotic it's going to be when the rapture happens? Sudden destruction, just the rapture, the destruction the rapture will cause. That didn't work as well as I thought it would either, but we're going to leave it there. We'll just file it away. I'll I'll bring it up again, don't worry. So let's talk about the distinction, the delineation between the rapture and the second coming. The pre-tribulation rapture is at an unexpected hour, whereas the second coming is specified in its timing. With the pre-tribulation rapture, Jesus comes for us. In the second coming, Jesus comes with us. Ten thousands, His saints by His side, if you prefer His bride by His side. The rapture, He doesn't come to the earth. We're taken up from the earth. We're caught up to meet Him in the air. That's not the second coming. And seven years, at minimum, seven years separate the pre-tribulation rapture from the second coming, which comes at the end of the seven-year tribulation, because the purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. You guys probably just copy and paste that, because I say it every week too. Okay, let's uh, connect a couple dots, as it were, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of what's happening right now in Dubai. This aforementioned prophecy in 1 Thessalonians 5 comports with two very detailed and specific prophecies that, again, we talk about often, but I want to preface them by saying that they both have what I like to call a prophetic timestamp. You know how you have timestamps on things? Well, these are prophetic timestamps that are specific in terms of at what point, at what time does this prophecy happen? And such is the case with these two prophecies that I want to read you because there's this prophetic timestamp such that it happens at the three and a half year mark, the midpoint of the seven year tribulation. That's specific, and that's Daniel 9.27. Now, I'm going to read it. Please, if can, <laughs> let the Holy Spirit, because 
you know that saying, familiarity breeds contempt? I can't even say it. I'm so con full of contempt. You know how when sometimes something becomes so familiar, you've read it a jillion times, and it loses its, it, its flavor? Please, let's not do that, because this is really important today, especially with what I want to share with you. So I'm going to read it, Daniel 9.27. He will confirm, enforce a covenant with many for one seven. That's the seven-year tribulation. Here's the timestamp. In the middle of the seven, three and a half year mark, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now hang on to this confirming, strengthening a covenant with many for seven. Real quick, in the Hebrew it's ikbir, same word in my native tongue of Arabic. Ikbir means to make stronger, strengthen, make better, to enforce, make more forceful, to make greater, spectacular, superior. It's a big word because that's kind of what it means. We're going to make it bigger and better. That sounds build back. Never mind, that's a different. Uh, but that's what it is. It's something bigger. We're going to make what's already there bigger and better. Ikbir. Hang on to that. Second Thessalonians 2.4. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worship, so that he sets himself up in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. How does that fit with Daniel 9.27? At the three and a half year mark, 1260 days in, the exact midpoint, that's your time stamp, the Antichrist in the rebuilt temple, which is, has to be there by the midpoint. Many believe, and I concur, that it will be rebuilt. And by the way, all they're waiting for is the green light, which they almost have. And by the way, what's happening in Israel right now is all about that. Let's get that temple rebuilt. But as soon as they get the green light, that temple's going up. Some conservative estimates are maybe 90 days. That thing's done. Well, they've got all the, they've got the Levites, the DNA database. <laughs> I don't want to get to go there. They have all the instruments. The ashes of the red heifer was like the last thing they needed on their list to check off the box. They already got it. The Ark of the Covenant, oh, they know exactly where it's at just waiting. So that temple is going to be rebuilt. The Antichrist will be perceived as their Messiah, and they'll embrace him as such. But he's the false Messiah bringing a false peace, and they're not going to realize it until three and a half years in, when he commits an abomination that's going to wake them up, and they're going to come to salvation in the midst of the seven-year tribulation, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved in the midst of the seven times hotter fiery furnace that we talked about, the typology of that. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. You've been listening to the latest prophecy update that Pastor J.D. has been sharing. And as always, it's fascinating to hear and learn about how the things going on in the world relate to things predicted in the Bible. 
If you're ever interested in finding out more about this ministry, head over to jdfarag.org. That's jdfarag.org to learn more. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to come check out our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. There's a Calvary link at the bottom of our webpage, so look for it at jdfarag.org. That link will give you more info on service times, directions, and more. Also, on our website, you'll notice a tab at the top that says ABCs. This is a helpful tool if you're in need of understanding a more in-depth view of what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. If you or any friends or family need some clarification, this should help clear some things up for you. Again, that website is jdfarag.org. Next time, you'll get to hear some more interesting things about current affairs and how they relate to what the Bible says to be true. The prophecies in the Bible were not just mentioned casually. Every prophecy written in the Bible will come to pass. So there's much to understand about what's to come. We look forward to that time with you and hope you'll join us then. Until then, may you be looking for wisdom from God in spirit and truth.